Welcome to the Gym Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Ramage. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Carl Neidholt. Carl owns a CrossFit affiliate in Blue Springs, Missouri called CrossFit Cerberus. And he has been a coach for, I'm going to say, over 25 years in both the uh, gymnastics and CrossFit world. Um, welcome to the podcast. Carl, how are you? Good. How you doing, Scott? I'm good. <laughs> Slowing myself down there. Um, yeah. So we've chatted a lot lately, so I feel like we're just like weekly buds. But uh, we got to catch somebody else up. Um, so you've owned your your CrossFit gym for ten years, and um, what did you do before opening a CrossFit gym? Um, and I coached gymnastics. I coached. Uh, I was an assistant coach with elite women's gymnastics and and men's gymnastics JO and then since 97 I've been coaching elite trampoline and tumbling. I was intrigued by that when you said trampoline and then I like got on social <laughs> media saw some of your videos and I was blown away. Like those people are how high in the air do they go? Ooh, man you're talking 15 20 feet. I mean, the elites are doing like 20, 25 feet. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, I, how do you get into something like that? Like literally, how do you, like, I want to be a tumbling and trampoline coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was at a, I was at a really good gym and there was, I was an assistant coach and there's nowhere to go because the, the head coach was the gym owner and I love the gym. And so I, I wanted my own program. I wanted to grow. And so back in 97, I recruited a team and we started learning trampoline and we, and I, I mean, I came into it with a lot of help, you know, from being around elite coaches, elite gymnastic coaches. And uh, I'm going to say the trampoline, trampoline tumbling world was a little disorganized at the time. So it, it was pretty unstructured and I came from a very, a very strict structured background. And so it was, it was really, it was kind of easy in the beginning to just slide through and make a big splash and, and just have a lot of fun with it. So you came in with a, a skill set that was probably adding some value to the overall structure of that. Uh, yeah. Sport. Yeah. That's yeah. It was a, it was a very raw grassroots sport. And I mean, just a lot of, a lot of friends and competitions were just going over and hanging out and that we, took it pretty serious yeah yeah um, so you stayed in that for i mean uh you just retired from coaching gymnastics is that correct yeah like uh like three weeks ago <laughs> How was i still that? man that was emotional that was hard it was it's hard to it's hard to coach an athlete for for eight years and i mean i got I got two main athletes that are still competing and then, and I, I help them out. I still drop it on Saturdays and help direct and, but it's hard to have that relationship with those, those athletes and have to step away and, and put my family first. Yeah. How did you, um, is that why you did it is for your, is for your family time? Um, yeah, well, I kind of, Man, it's a it's a hard subject. It is it's really tough. It is 
I guess it goes back to, to what I want to accomplish in this life. Um, you know, I've been in the world championships a couple of times. I've, I judged the 2012 Olympic trials. I had an athlete compete in the 2016 trials. And I mean, I've had, I've had numerous state champions and national champions and, and the medals. And it just, there was a, that was fun, but that didn't compare to, to having an impact on someone's actual life and how they see themselves. And, and that's what I love about cross. And it gives me a chance to really have a true impact on someone's life. You know, it's, it's fun working with the best of the best, but it is, I mean, at least for me, it was a thousand times more rewarding to, to take someone that came to you either, either broken or um, someone with some serious need and to help them step past that. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the gymnastic world, you're working with, you know, elite athletes or higher level athletes. I mean, I'm sure you started with lower entry. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you feel like the, the, your ability to impact is actually higher in, inside of your CrossFit gym. Yeah. I mean, with my team, I, I have like 25 athletes and I have those 25 athletes and, you know, they come and they go, but it's really just a small tight group that, I mean, they're training 16 hours a week. And I mean, it's, we see them all the time. It's the same people. Whereas with the CrossFit gym, man, I can, I can reach hundreds of people. So it's, it's reach. It's, it's um, your ability to, to impact your community at a higher number. Yeah. Yeah. I see. And I think, and I think people that need it more, I mean, those kids that are already, they come from good families, they have a good support structure, they have some high level goals and that's awesome. But, but I, I don't know. I just personally love Now I love the, like today we had a guy just start today. His name is Kenneth. He's 380 pounds. Um, his, his job actually put together the money for him to start here. They help donate that. The guy is, has some serious health conditions and I mean, it's that, I love that. I, that really inspires me. Because, man, you imagine this Kenneth guy. He comes in. He doesn't look like anyone else. He's having a hard time walking. And he comes in, and we put him through a personal training session, one-on-one -on -one with a coach. And, you know, he's breathing hard. And then all these other people in the gym are they're saying hi. They're greeting him. I mean, the guy, it, it was an emotional experience for him. And that, man, that's emotional for me. It's, did you see it on his face? Did, did you? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <clears throat> What is it about your gym that's created the culture where somebody, you know, at 380 pounds, which I would say is coming along to the morbidly obese, like the, you know, um, getting close to that, that really high level obesity rate. Uh, how, how do you develop a culture where someone like, like that can walk in and feel like they belong? Um, I mean, I think it starts from day one. I, from day one, people can't just try out a class. I don't allow tryouts. If someone wants to join here, step one is they have to do a meeting with me. And it's either with me or with one of my coaches, you know, and we have a little book we go through. And one of my favorite pages on this presentation I give, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little blunt with it. Right here, I tell them that we have a, I have a no asshole policy. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I tell them right out of the gate, I mean, this is, 
you know, I expect you to cheer for other people. We talk about adult language. We talk about having adult attitudes, being respectful. I mean, it's before they've been allowed to sign up. I mean, I set the standard that, you know, if you work out here, you're one of my athletes. I'm going to talk to you like an athlete. I'm going to treat you like an athlete. I'm going to coach you. And I expect that same respect back. And I'm not going to put up with any of this bullshit. I mean, if you're going to be here, you're going to cheer for others or this isn't the right place for you. You know, great athletes are great human beings. Great athletes, you know, they, they inspire people. I mean, you've been around people that just suck the energy out of the room and you've been around people that just, they help you step up for more. And I tell them out of the game, I mean, that's the person I'm interested in and that's the environment I have. That's incredible. Have you ever lost anybody in that session over that comment alone or over that, that topic? Nope. Nope. I tell them, actually, I'm, man, I'm super blunt. I'm going to tell you right now, this is an intense environment. We're going to speak intensely and there might be some F-bombs and I'm cool with someone dropping the F-bomb. I'm absolutely, it is unacceptable to aim an F-bomb or to aim any kind of language at someone. I mean, above all, you have to be respectful. Intentionality of how you want it to look and what you want it to mm. look like. And then absolute transparency and they have an expectation of what to expect once they join the classes. I think that's incredible. I think that's a really great uh, recipe for success with people coming in. So this, this guy that came in today, um, did he say anything to you? I mean, it was just how you kind of read his face and um, what, how do you work with someone like that when you know that they are quite a ways out from a regular class environment? Um, man, I'm really proud of one of my coaches. My, I have a coach, Kyle Wilson. He does a, a really awesome job and he's one of my newer coaches and, um, he's actually taking Kenneth through the level method stuff and he is Kenneth's starting right there at square one. Um, I actually require everyone to take all 15 tests before they're allowed to join our program or our class. So they have a starting point for that. And I mean, Kenneth, I mean, today I'm coaching class the same time that personal train session is going on. And so, I mean, one thing's to read during the interview to share that expectation with the client, but then my coaches and I myself have to be experts at modeling that, you know, so I know every single member of my gym by first name, we're always saying hi to people and we say bye to people. And this Kenneth guy, when he came in, I made sure that when he walks to the door, it's, we know his name, we're saying hi during his PT session. I'll, it's right next to my class. So I walk over, I pat him on the back. I'm like, come on, Kenneth, you got this. And just cheer him on because the, the coach is the example. The coach is the person that sets the standard for the relationship. You know, if, if, the, if I have a class full of people and I high five them, then all the members are like, okay, cool. We high five here. It's cool to high five. If I hug everyone, then all the members are like, okay, cool. We hug here. But the members or my, my athletes won't do what the coach doesn't do. And so as coaches, we have to cheer and support and high five, encourage. And when I do that, it's like we give the athletes permission to follow our lead. Like, all right, when he said cheer, that's what he meant by cheering because we're doing it. Yeah, you, you do have to lead from the top. I love that. So you're modeling the things that you want your coaches to do. And therefore, you also want your members to do. Um, the, the impact of someone like having, having a Kenneth come into your gym um, I have a few questions based on that because I think I like sitting here because I think it's really important. One, you are absolutely quite possibly expanding someone's lives, someone's life many years. And um, that's a, that's a, that's a heavy weight, Uh, emotional and, and 
I mean, it's just, it's a heavy responsibility is, are you okay with that responsibility? Man, I, <laughs> I am excited about that responsibility, you know, cause it's, I have another member named uh, Neil Goodson. Neil started with us 10 years ago and he was one of my, one of my first clients. You know, we first opened up, we had a 1000 square foot <laughs> little box and Neil was one of our first clients and he has Parkinson's. And when he first started with us, he walked with a limp. He had a hard time sitting down by himself. He had a hard time putting things overhead. And Neil, you know, he falls to that CrossFit health spectrum to where between sickness and wellness and we'll never be able to cure Parkinson's for him. And Neil might not even live one day longer because of what he does here. But his quality of life, his ability to take care of his wife, um, you know, the things that he does. I mean, it's already changed. I mean, he's so he's got he's like seven years old with Parkinson's and he can back squat over 100 pounds. He can deadlift over 300 pounds. He can overhead press um, over 100. I mean, the guy is doing awesome. He can jump rope down where before he had a hard time running. And he can, he runs now. He has a bike. It's, he's awesome. He's a, and having people like that in your gym, having people like Kenneth, man, it's inspiring to work out next to them. Oh. You know, when they're, when they're working out and they're not stopping and they're pushing hard and you're working out right next to them, how can you stop? How can you, you know, complain about the workout when you see them over there busting their ass doing the best they can? Yeah. I, I, several things. First of all, I think a lot of gyms miss the mark on that opportunity inside of their building to, to understand the impact of working side by side with people who inspire on a whole different level. And it, it does take a little work. I had a podcast interview with um, Carl uh, Yohid and he, um, he works with a, a gentleman I met when I was in, in Sweden and um, he's had Parkinson's for years and he's telling his story. He's chair bound except for when he's in the gym and he has earned every single level on the level method and, and he moves up and it, it's a very, very similar story. Uh, but the thing is, is he's been battling cancer over and over again. And I mean, his time is limited, but what Oscar shared was the fact that there were times when he would wake up in the night and trip. And there were two times when he had the strength and mobility and speed because of CrossFit to lift his arm up and block his head from hitting the corner of the, the counter which he said probably would have killed him because he couldn't, you know, he's laying on the ground, he's living alone. And so you never know the impact you're having, right? I mean, you, you probably have extended that life, but the quality of life. And then the, the someone like that, when you embrace people who have uh, a long way to go or have a lot to lose if they don't get their health in line, um, it's, a, it's a really great lesson for everyone else to understand uh, but that workout's maybe not so hard. <laughs> At Level Method, we're constantly searching for ways to make your life as a gym owner easier. And that's why we created our social media service that makes you look like you're putting in tons of hours or paying someone an arm and a leg. Get six professional themed text and image posts each week four weeks at a time. Check out levelmethod.com slash social for more info.
you refer to your members as athletes. And I, I want to talk about that. Um, when I ran my affiliate, I would, I would tell somebody, did you ever feel, or I'd ask my people, have you ever felt like an athlete before? And they're like, no, you know, a lot of times it was, no, I've never been an athlete. And how do you feel when you work out here? I feel like I actually belong on a team. I'm an, I'm an athlete. I'm actually doing new things. Do you refer to all your members as athletes or is there a certain time when you say, okay, you're now uh, indoctrinated. Yeah, they're all athletes. Call you an athlete. And again, it goes back to kind of your culture. I guess with, with me, it went back to, you know, my gymnastics days. Um, so with my, my trampoline team, mm-hmm. I had a, I, everyone who worked out in my program was on my team. Not everyone competed. I had a, an optional compete team and I would, I would get more athletes. I'd get more kids in my team because I made it so easy to be a part of team, to feel a part of team. It was so accepting and whether they feel like an athlete or not kind of doesn't matter. If I talk to you like an athlete and I treat you like an athlete and you start to behave like an athlete, then you might accidentally start to feel like an athlete. And I want all my athletes to compete. I want every member of my gym to go to competitions, do a CrossFit competition or a powerlifting competition or a 5K. I want them to all have that experience because that is a, a very that's a very powerful experience to go out there. I mean, one thing is to do a workout. Another thing is to be on the line and say, all right, this counts for something. This is real. This is it. I can't slough on this one. This is what I've been training for. And when people have a deadline, when people have a goal to train for something, it changes how they practice. And so if I have someone in my gym and they have a competition come up in three months, man, that's three months of intense practice. I don't care what level you are. I don't care if you're beginner or elite. I got a test coming up. I got to study for the test. And so I want everyone to, to compete because it changes how they practice. And so if I want them to compete, then I need to talk to them like an athlete. You know, I'm forward speaking in my references to them. I want to plant seeds. I want them to, I want, my job is to see them as more than they see themselves. Because if I don't expect more out of them than they expect of themselves, then what am I doing? I mean, if I think, if I believe in them and think they can do it, then it gives them just a little bit of, all right, my coach says I can, maybe I can. Yeah. So I want to talk about attitude and your athletes. So how do you work through, you know, those, those op, those situations where somebody gets frustrated, they're not doing what they want to do. Um, you know, talk us through some of your experience as a coach. I mean, you've been coaching for 25, 26, 27 years. Um, talk through your experience of how you handle that because you're, you're treating it people like an athlete. And so what does the conversation look like and what are you trying to identify? So there's, don't go well? there's a couple stages that athletes or people go through and, you know, in the beginning, they're in the beginning, they're kind of like a, an eight-year-old. We call it the love stage. You know, in the beginning, it's, I love my gym. I love my coach. I love CrossFit. They're all, they drank the Kool-Aid. They're excited. They're telling everyone. And at that phase right there, most of their mistakes they make are learning mistakes. I love my gym. I love my coach. I would not do something wrong on purpose. And so with those people, I've got to be really gentle. I've got to, and when I say gentle, I need to nurture them. You know, when they do something wrong, I need to be very careful in the words I speak with them because 
they don't have the self-confidence in the job, the situation. And so like Kenneth, Kenneth came in today, day one. I don't care. My job with Kenneth or Cal's job with Kenneth was to start him too easy. Because so, for example, we're doing an air squat today. So we're going to start him higher than, than we need to. So he can do it. He's like, hey, coach, man, this is too easy. We're like, boom, high five, Kenneth. That's awesome. Let's go harder. And he's like, okay, yeah, this is still too easy. Awesome, Kenneth. Let's do it. Let's go harder now. And we just start. It has to be some easy wins. So I have a reason to congratulate him and build that confidence. Too many coaches in the beginning, they're like, all right, Kenneth, let's see an air squat. Nope, can't do that. All right, let's go to a 12-inch box. Nope, can't do that. Okay, let's go 16-inch box. Nope, can't do that. Let's go to a 20-inch box. Oh, here, now we got it. And all Kenneth hears is, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not good at this. You know, you've told me good job one time, and you said I couldn't do it eight times. And so with those new clients, man, we set the bar super, super low. We make it really easy to be successful. So that our language to them is, you got this. You're good at this. Dude, this is too easy. We need to give you something harder. Dude, you crush this. Let's go for the next step now. And so that's how we're doing our, our newer athletes. You know, the ones that are in that love phase and we got to build their confidence and we got to make sure our language supports that confidence. Then at some point in time, the athlete's going to transition into a rebel stage. And this is true for my coaches or anything else. This is your CrossFit athlete that's been at the gym for two years. They, they know the whiteboard, they know the progressions, they know what you're going to do. They could lead the warm up if they wanted to. And now they're, they're reading the morning chalk up, they're watching videos, they've probably bought some other programs online, they want to do extra programming that you didn't even program. And that athlete knows something, they don't know everything, it's like a teenager, they know something, therefore they have an opinion, and they're going to express it. And it's, that's a phase they have to go through. Because at that phase, they, their self confidence is independent of you. Now, you can tell them, hey, that's wrong, and they'll argue with you. They're like, no, actually, it's not. I watched this video, and this is what they did in the video. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but that's not what we do here. And so those athletes, I can be more demanding on. I can coach them harder. I can raise my expectation. I can challenge their confidence because they already got it. And then, no, not at all. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, the – the ultimate goal is that, that elite athlete mindset. Um, a healthy elite athlete coach relationship is like, uh, it, it's where you're working together. It's where you're asking the athlete's opinion. It's where the athlete knows enough they could be a coach all of their own, but they have really valuable insight. At some point in time, I want the insight from the athlete. The athlete knows enough. They know their body. They have the experience. So we're like, hey, do you want to go heavy today? Do you want to go light today? Hey, you know, you know do you want to do squat clean today? Or do you want to stay high and work on that power position? I mean, it's where the athlete's guidance and feedback helps us to progress faster than me just being domineering and coaching with an iron hand saying, I don't care what you think, this is what we're doing. And too many coaches just have one style to where they coach. I'm a hard coach or I'm a soft coach. And they, they lose athletes as they progress through instead of coaching the athlete where they are in their journey. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, my position on that. I think it's incredible. I think it's definitely a higher level way of, of coaching. How long do you work with your, your coaches to bring them up in a, in a way that they understand those, those, 
levels, if you will, and, and start to engage in an appropriate manner to facilitate those because those can't be super easy to identify. I mean, I, I'm thinking right now uh, when I own my affiliate, the members, and, and I could probably, as the owner, the one who interacted with them day one, I'd probably identify most of them where they were at at that point. Uh, how, how do you move that on, you know, to each um, new coaches? I mean, when we in? talk about it, we talk about the phases. I pre-warn my coaches that they're going to go through those phases. You know, in the beginning, when you first hire the coach, they're super excited and they're, they're eager to please you and they want to do everything. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. At some point in time, you're going to disagree with me and you're going to have your own opinion. And I just want you to know that's okay. I mean, at some point in time, you're going to not like the way we're doing things. And that's okay. If you communicate and you have the right attitude about it. I'm like, it's at some point in time, I want you to have your own opinion because I want feedback. I want, I want valuable insights that only you can glean from being in your position, but it's okay that we agree. It's okay that we disagree, but it's gotta be with respect. And they're always like, okay, yeah, yeah, sweet. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm just telling you it's going to happen and it's okay. You know, let's work through this. And if I pre-warn them and the coaches, they're like, oh, this is what you meant. And I can be like, hey, remember that time? Now, as far as like coaching the actual athlete, and all of my coaches were athletes first. And I, I'm not saying I never will, but at this point, I've not hired anyone from the outside that wasn't an athlete first. And so they, they've gone through that process. They understand our culture and, and how we do things. Um, and then my, my intro process for someone to join our gym, they have to either do a, a five week class or they have to do, you know, personal training. And I put my new coaches in those one-on-one sessions. So when someone starts coaching for me, they have to start one-on-one and they're starting with people in that beginner phase. So everyone who goes through those PT sessions, they've Anyone who's never been a member here first is going to be in that, that new beginner phase. And that's who the coaches, they start with. You learn how to coach one-on-one, then you learn how to coach small groups of five, which is where people start to be a little independent. And then you move into a full class. So the thing I'm picking up on with you <laughs> is that you have progressions almost for everything. Um, which I think is, is phenomenal. So the, the, the key topics are things that... I'm picking up. There's progressions, there's very clear communication, and there's uh, specific styles of responses and actions based on where mm-hmm. someone is in their development. You have um, over 200 members, yep. if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, what's your uh, square footage? Just under 10,000. Okay. So a lot of gym owners <clears throat> would aspire to, they would see that as success a large facility and a, a, a very healthy member base. Um, how much of what we've been talking about, these levels of, of, of an athlete and the way that you upbring your, bring in your coaches and the, the, the environment, how much of your success do you weigh on that? And what other things are leading to the success of your gym? Um, I don't know. That's kind of hard to say. It's just how I've always done things. I mean, it's, it's how I did it with gymnastics and it's how I, I almost don't know another way. I definitely, I mean, having, I mean, I, I don't, my way is not the only way, of course, but I think having a very clearly communicated culture 
is massively important so that people understand how to fit in. They understand the rules because it's no fun to break the rule when you didn't even know that a rule existed. Um, and so I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, we do at my gym, we do individual strength training. So every member of my gym is on an individual path for strength. And I think that's made a, a huge difference. And when you start talking about progressions, I have a, that's awesome. I mean, I, prog- I have progressions for strength training. We have progressions for, I mean, they go from program to program based upon needs and they drop back based upon injuries and things like that. So, I mean, I'm very confident in, I mean, I, I've had a couple athletes that had a shoulder surgery because they got hurt on the job and they, they finished PT and they come in and we just pick up where they left off. Mm-hmm. If you want to join the best coaches and owners in the world, you have to check out levelmethod.com. We help gyms all over the world run a more professional and profitable business, stand out from the crowded market, and keep their members engaged, safe, and progressing for longer. Join the Legion and make fitness great again. Go to levelmethod.com. So how do you accommodate (laughs) <laughs> those types of programs, I, I can see the wheel spinning in somebody listening going, wow, I wish I could do that. There's no way because, you know, people are looking at logistics. One, a 10,000 square foot building is probably a very big help because you can spread people out. You can have certain areas. Um, how do you support that infrastructure? And what would your advice be to someone saying, I want to get to that point? Well, we started with one strength program. And it, everyone learned one strength program. And then when everyone was mastering that, at some point in time, I had people that started a plateau in that program. And so we added another strength program. And then at some point in time, they'd plateau on that and they'd bounce back and forth. But I think it also comes down to, I think coaches need to understand the purpose of different strength programs. When you're talking about like 531 or juggernaut or, you know, Texas method, or, I mean, there's, there's, if you understand these different strength programs, then you can prescribe them based upon the needs. And, and so roughly my gym has our classes. We do a warm up, we do a powerlifting session, and then we do a CrossFit session. And every, during that powerlifting sessions, everyone's pretty much doing yep. their own strength progression at that point. So what is logistically with the coach, is that a one coach to a certain amount of athletes or do you have one co- multiple coaches? because they have to go through 10 personal training sessions. And in those 10 personal training sessions, we teach them their program. We individualize that. And so it's not just, we don't do personal training to get started just to teach you the toll movements of CrossFit. I mean, if you're going to do, if you're going to start with right. us, you've got to learn the toll basic movements of CrossFit. You've got to learn your strength program. You've got to do your 15 level method test. There's a, a shit ton to get done and we're hustling to get it all done. I mean, it's a jam packed sessions. And a lot of times people need more. And so we, so we're not like begging them to do more PT. They just need more PT and they realize it. It's, again, it's a very, they have a need. We have the means and we just roll from there. I think that's such a cool thing you just said is that we're not begging them to do it. They just realize the need because you've established this time frame that's long enough where they really start mm-hmm. to see the value of this, this personal training time. Like, wow, like that's how things progress. That's how things progress. That's how I get better. 
So do you guys continue to sell PT throughout? Uh, right now, it could be a business? lot bigger than what it is. Um, I'd probably say we do such a good job in class that sometimes people get their needs met. But I, again, that's also why I'm kind of going back to the level method and fine tuning that because if they if they want to progress on the board, it's going to take things outside of class. And those things outside of class are what we're doing with personal training, or we do skill clinics, like we'll do a, a front squat skill clinic or a ring skill clinic or a jump rope skill clinic. And then the people that have that problem are attracted to that clinic. Yeah, that's that's a, a golden opportunity, honestly, <laughs> especially with level method where you can, where the weaknesses are identified so clearly and it's so blaring it's sitting there in front of you when you offer something that can help meet that need it's um it's it's an easy sell um yeah so i'm i'm glad you're using that how many members do you have right now 250 okay i mean we're talking in a time where um many gyms are suffering from a loss of members that did not come back from covid and um so you know that's that's very successful what I, we've never broken 300. It's out of curiosity. It's been, I, I almost don't have the capacity for that a little bit. Right. In my gym, we have 21 racks. And so everyone has their own lifting station. Everything is completely individualized. And so for my classes, 21 is the biggest class I can have. That's a big class too. But uh, there's a lot less chaos if everybody's got their own And it was, it was a stretch sure to get it done, but more I absolutely love it. It is, even after COVID, we're keeping this thing. I probably had half the number of racks and people would share, they'd partner up and we liked it because they had to communicate and you have to rest anyways in between your sets, but we're able to get so much more done when everyone has their own bar, their own space, their own equipment, and it's just safe. Yeah. So is the, is your return on investment with that? Cause I'm sure that was some outlay in cash. Was your, is your return investment on that? The buy-in from your members, you think, um, you think they're more engaged, more happy because they, they have this space, uh, your ability to stay open. Obviously there's a lot of ROI on that, that you're following the rules. Um, I mean, for a gym, that's, that's a big outlay of cash. What would be your encouragement for them to do something like that? It's going to be different. It is a, I want, I want the group experience of CrossFit, but I also want the individual experience. I mean, I want to coach the individual and it's, they, everyone feels equally important instead of it just being the high level athletes have their own space. And, you know, he's lifting really big weight. So he gets his own rack. You know, now it's, everyone has their own space. Everyone's treated equally and it's just leveled across the board. No one feels left out. No one feels like they got a, an inferior spot in the room or inferior equipment. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's a wonderful idea. If you can um, logistically make it happen, I think it would actually lead to some retention because results would probably improve if you're not sharing and getting that personalized touch. So just a few, a few more questions before we wrap up. If you were to look back when um, the day comes for you to sell or close or whatever it is that you decide when you decide to retire, if you were to look back at that moment and say, I, yes, I did it what is the definition of success at that point for you? My coaches, they, I mean, I have, I have personal goals for my coaches. You know, I want my, 
I want my full-time coaches to buy a house. I want my full-time coaches to be able to afford you know, a nice car and uh, be able to save up for some retirement. I mean, that is, that's definitely on my mission. I, I don't, I won't feel accomplished if I can't take care of my guys. And as far as on the athlete end, man, I, I'm already, I feel great about what the impact I've had. I love that. I mean, right now, honestly, it's about my coaches. That's awesome. Have you sat down? I put everybody on the spot for this. It's not just you. Have you sat down and, and written out your vision, your mission, your, your Mm -hmm. um, core values for your gym? And what is the overarching uh, thing? Oh man. Core values, transparency, clarity. Clarity was the big one. It was clarity. Um, Oh man. (laughs) I can't, I know. I have them written down even. I'm um, putting it in the test. Man, clarity was a big yeah. one. Um, elite lifestyle. I want I want every athlete in my gym to experience what it means to ha- to live an elite lifestyle. You know, they can all have an elite level of nutrition, an elite level of flexibility, an elite level of strength, an elite level of confidence, an elite mindset. And so I whether they become elites or not, whether they compete or not, I want them to understand what it feels like to, to live like an elite and, you know, and then remember that one day you're going to die. That was, that's all my core values. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Um, all right. Finally, let's wrap up with, uh, why, why did you bring level method into an already really well oiled machine? You know, it, from, from my point of view, it's a very well running gym and, and you have an amazing staff. Because it fit right in with my values. I mean, it was, it was a very clear path to help my athletes, you know, live and see an elite lifestyle, help them set goals. It helped my staff and my members to communicate correctly. Um, and it brought a lot of clarity. I mean, it just it lined up with everything that I was looking for. That's awesome. Well, Carl, thank you very much for um, doing this with me. I, I, know without a doubt that if I lived in Blue Springs, I would be a member. <laughs> no doubt I'd be a member. I'd love, to, I'd be uh, probably shooting for that staff point, but um, thank you so Absolutely. much for, for taking the time with me today. Hey everybody, you know the drill. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gym Mastery Podcast, where we talk to incredible gym owners like Carl and where we find out uh, the secrets to success. So make sure you hit that subscribe button because if you want to succeed, we have all of the answers from multiple people. And uh, if you can just start weaving things together, you can, you too, could someday maybe be a member uh, or a guest of the uh, Gym Mastery Podcast. Have a great day.